we're off this is the world's most bullish podcast pod number 82 brought to you as always by the four b's the four b's namely are mr all in aka the trillion dollar man with the trillion dollar energy dr evil 10 percent aka <laughs> the people's champ myself so never look aka the excellence of execution and surprise surprise she's not here the fourth b mrs no show nowhere to be seen yeah. And this week we have a nice lot of Bitcoin stories to discuss. We've got something personal from me. It's tax season. Got locked out of Coinbase. What the hell happened there? We've got miss, a story on Miss Universe. That'll make no sense, but it will make sense when we get there. We've got some nice inflation weeklies here. So we've got some money printing explained from a different point of view. Um, and we've got a few other takes. How does inflation compare to a McDonald's? How does inflation compare to a house price? We'll, we'll see what the impact of inflation has really been on real-world goods. And um, we've got FUD of the week on some mining centralization from someone that clearly doesn't understand Bitcoin mining. We've got FUD of the week part two. We've got a new company spawning. It might be against my news resolution to discuss this one. So you might be on your own. So never look discussing that one. But then we've got a hash rate all-time high as well to discuss from good old Marty Bent. And, then, and that will be our show. There we go. We start at the top. It's me, anyway. So it is tax season right now. And uh, it's been very convenient, actually, with a nice little 20% pump in the price. We don't tend to discuss price, but it's it's been quite nice. The, the price pumped just before I need to take some, some Bitcoin off the table. Uh, the downside of living on a Bitcoin standard is every time you have a bill come around, you've got to sell Bitcoin because I've got any trash cash lying around. So you know, it, it's Bitcoin. It's obviously buying it's a house good. earlier. You need to get your job at McDonald's. Yeah, I'd still convert that to Bitcoin. So (laughs) (laughs) sell it again. Uh, And then, so yeah, so obviously I bought a house early in the year, which then comes with a load of capital gains, which is really annoying. So I've got a tax bill to pay. So, you know, fired up the ledger, um, the secret one, um, that had enough on it to pay a tax bill. And then went into my Coinbase and went, all right, let's have a look, figure out the deposit addresses and all that big flag on it saying your your account is being reviewed so i click on this notification it goes there's nothing to worry about um it's just a manual review it's nothing you've done but for a period of time you can't buy or sell anything on this platform uh and there's there's nothing in here that tells me what i can and what how i can speed this up or what or what it's about absolutely nothing uh so i was closed it down, went, fuck those guys, fired up the, the Kraken account, deposited the Bitcoin into there instead, sold some of it, and the, took the fiat deposit. Kraken were amazing. The the withdrawal happened within about 30 minutes, I think, to my bank account. Mm. Fucking A. So Do you know what I think's the, happened there? I've probably been flagged for being a fucking yeah. Nazi. I think it's the US. <laughs> the US are trying to cut, cut their... Um... And they're deficit in half, aren't they? What do you mean? What, so steal my Bitcoin or something? <laughs> the US are like, oh, we tax this fucker with this large account here, the trillion dollar man. We'll be able to cut our um, deficit in half. <laughs> but, but by locking my account, they got they didn't get anything. <laughs> Maybe they'll so, catch uh, next tax season. Yeah, well, hopefully, I, I should be out of it now a little bit because I'll, I'll try and keep my... 
um, by selling down by, below the normal capital gains kind of limits. But this was obviously an, an exceptional year when you, when you yeah. do, a, do a house put. Ironically, I will have more cap gains next year because I, I literally resulted more taxable gains in paying this year's tax that oh. I made more gains again. The only reason I fucking sold was to pay a tax bill. But I now have another tax bill next so, year to pay on the gains that I had to sell from this. So just to cover this, you you bought a house which you had to sell your Bitcoin for. And in yeah. order to sell your Bitcoin, you then get your capital gains because you bought Bitcoin at a lot lot lower price. Yeah. And from that, what is capital gains? Is it 20%? Yeah. And then for that 20% uh, tax on top of your capital gains, you've got to pay capital gains on the Bitcoin which you sold in order to pay the capital gains. Now... <laughs> My question is, once you paid the capital gains next year, will you have to pay capital gains the following year? <laughs> yeah, there is. Now, after three years, it ends. And eventually, the capital gains from year three will be so low that it will be below the limit that you have to pay. But it's going to take oh, three man. years of this. Wow. And, and, and the one bit of tax, of by the way, yeah, the one bit of tax that you missed was I also paid stamp duty of 5% on the house price. So that that was that was a nice one-off payment as well. <laughs> so it's so painful. But it's the, just... but, yeah, go on. The, the only reason I really mention it is just to have multiple um, Bitcoin exchange. Um, yeah, I need and, to check the Kraken one. Yeah, Kraken is so good. Uh, it's really really good. Uh, I can't speak highly enough of it. Um, because yeah, and and make sure that you've at least done all the verification, set up all the yeah. security. So you're confident the account works. And then also just trade through. Like I, I literally, um, like years ago, just brought a couple of thousand pounds worth of Bitcoin, sold it again, took it off, put it on. So what you do is just you like you basically oil the the works of the Kraken platform. Yeah. So, so they just, just know you're not. buy a little bit every year. Yeah, because if you just buy 10, 20, 50 quid, 100 quid, like you, you're not at the limit yet where the fraud flags would have gone off. So like just push a couple of limits and when no one raises, oh, that isn't that's my money. What the fuck's happening? All that type of stuff. When that none of that happens, they know, oh yeah, this this person is the right person. And so when you do come and want to trade much higher volume, they're not they're not sus of you. You haven't gone from ten pounds to huge. You've kind of yeah. traded a couple of thousand before. So when you trade even more, uh, it doesn't matter too much. Because because yeah, I would have been screwed, right? Because I, I looked at this and went, it's two weeks until I owe this money. So I went into Coinbase and it went, ah, ah, fuck off. I'm like, oh, shit. And you're I'm, 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 I'm going to go to prison if I don't pay this bill. Yeah. You you yeah. had a great time in prison, though. And, and I know that <laughs> I, would, I, I might enjoy it for the first two weeks. And then, <laughs> look, boys. <laughs> I'm not, I don't, I don't want to put it this way anymore. Yeah, my, my plan B account, so Gemini and Bitpanda, um, and you're right, you definitely need the um, the other exchanges to be there and to use them quite often as well, uh, because otherwise, you know, like my main, I said many a time, is Coinbase, and I've never had an issue. Have you resolved it since? So, so you would still effectively be waiting now had you have not had your plan B's and C's in the background. Yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been, it's only been three days, but I have no clue That's how long three days locked. is too much. Yeah. <laughs> I, but the thing is, I have no clue how long it's been locked for, right? Because yeah. 
obviously like it was six months ago that I kind of bought the house and then I haven't really logged in that much into Coinbase. Yeah, I've been using Kraken quite a bit, doing a bit of DCA through there. And I didn't really use Coinbase, but that's kind of my safe place. I think I've discussed maybe, this maybe, before. Maybe they're, maybe they're just pissed off because you're not putting your business through Coinbase anymore. They're like, this is why Coinbase share price is down. Oh, oh man. Well, that, <laughs> I, if anything, I think it's the opposite. I actually think the fact that I bought a house through them six months ago, I think I raised so many fucking fraud flags on that account. Mm-hmm. And I've got a, a feeling the UK tax office is going, this fucker hasn't paid any capital gains on this money yet. So... How about we just no more selling for this fella? Let's just cut him off at the hose because uh, we want to see this tax bill come through first. Once he pays, maybe you can re- release his account because I, I, they were probably like he's going to fuck off to Puerto Rico or something. We know he is not pay it. I think, I think we might be having our first special guest on uh, the four Bs, and it is the CEO Brian Armstrong joining us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in your top 10 yeah. customers. Why the fuck are you locking my account? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that was a little interesting thing. There's, there's nothing worse, right? When you actually need access to fiat Correct. quick and quite a large Correct. amount of it. And um, obviously I've left it late on purpose, I, but then the little pump in price, I'm like, okay, this is a good time. I'm not going to think it's going to go up anymore. I'm going to take the 20% pump. It take It makes it a little less arduous to sell some um at least i'm selling 20 percent less than i would have if i did this a week ago less to sell a bit now and then you you log in and it's like nah locked it's interesting you mentioned this as well from a tax perspective because um i know i've shared videos with you guys before grant cardone who is more really b2c in terms of working with consumers and uh, and property his brother his twin brother who not a lot of people know uh, called Gary Cardone, used to live in the UK for a long time, uh, had a business called 911 Chargebacks, um, which used to help companies win disputes when customers would talk about they didn't receive goods. Anyway, he's built a company after Orange Pilling himself for two years and is seems very uh, on Bitcoin specifically and is helping people in his business called Node 44 from a tax perspective as well. So, um, so yeah, there is definitely going to be a, a new arm and a new strand of companies that will help people because not a lot of people are doing it. You know, for myself and Dr. Evil 10%, we're just, you know, buying and holding so there's no event that's going on but for those that are buying selling and trading uh, because i don't know you don't have diamond hands like us or you don't have a life event that's going on you need to be aware that you know there's not a lot of things that you can escape when it comes to the taxman i mean there are additional ones like um i'm guessing you can probably transfer your money into revolut to sell yeah, the, the problem is they have to set their limits, but they, they add a thousand dollars, thousand a month to, to withdraw mm. or something. Like their, their limitations are horrendous. Yeah. Revolut well, that, are great, great for small amounts, but not for big amounts. I'm just wondering if you transferred it in, whether it would be the same limits and then ledger as well. Because when I um, check my balance, I see if they've got their buy and sell functions with them there. But um, you'd have to go through the KYC process as well. 
yeah yeah i don't i don't know if i trust ledger to yeah i, oh, I just I kraken's probably one of the best exchanges there is so if you can get something like that working then yeah, so i set up an account but i've never used it so i think it's one of those things like when i um want to do a lump sum at some point i think i have to try using them just just they to try it out moon pay behind ledger okay yeah that's yeah, a, a company i think i've heard bad things about moon pay I can't think what it is, but I think mm. they're into their shit coins. When you actually start <laughs> to look at their, um, and not a lot of people do do this, but when you start to look at the price difference between what you get on certain exchanges, that's when you see, uh, obviously, why certain exchanges are used in comparison to another. Uh, I know, again, you and I, Dr. Evil 10%, we're having a conversation today that there is a company based out in India. Uh, if you're listening, I have a check uh, that we were, uh, that I was speaking to called CoinSwitch. And on CoinSwitch X, only for Indian nationals, they are able to pick and choose which specific, no, it's actually CoinSwitch Pro. They're able to pick and choose which um, exchange that you can buy from. So you see the rates and where you want to actually go from, which is a decent feature. They also have a peer-to-peer functionality as well, which I do think it's the future for that. But looking into it, it appears like India Indians can't actually hold their own Bitcoin from what I could gather from what I Googled. So it kind of defeats the whole point of Bitcoin becoming a sovereign individual when um, the government's locking you down because they want to put it into something which is purely on speculation rather than actually being brought in as an asset because we know that um, in the Indian government absolutely love inflation. They love a bit of... Um, stealing from you stealing your time stealing your salary stealing your savings and um they're trying to fight off anything which can challenge them before we get the cbdc in no i have to shame gone like yeah. china yeah that, that i think that is going to be the common method unfortunately we've discussed it many times but yeah just stopping exchanges from allowing you to withdraw is the best way to not ban bitcoin but ban bitcoin because yeah you have banned it. So no, no, you can buy it, but you can never ha- own it yourself. So you, this is worse than banning it because you're you're buying it and exchanging your fiat dollars that you've worked your 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 hours of your day over to to get. And then the government is essentially holding both now. They hold your dollars and your Bitcoin. That's mm. that's the worst just, case now. It would just be peer to peer working out ways to get around it, wouldn't it? Yeah, you're gonna have to go into the into the black market. And and, that, and it'll work. It'll work that way. There'd be there'd be some smart Indians that fire up some good Bitcoin wallets peer to peer, buying and selling. And um... yeah, it should be clear actually. So you can sell on. Uh, so you can sell Bitcoin in India, but then actually getting it back into your bank account is where the issue is. So you can't then get it into Indian rupees. So you can hold it, and you can obviously sell it on Binance. Can, can, can you can you take custody? Can you take? You the can Bitcoin? take custody. Yeah, you can take custody off it. So you would effectively have to, I don't know, like obviously move country, set well, up. A you new... can take custody of it, but you can sell it, but they won't let you take the money off the platform. 
you you can you can sell it you can take custody of it but when you then try to transfer it into fiat you can't get it back into your bank account because the banks are withholding it from set places obviously from so, the exchanges um, here's a bit of clue why they do it so it's not for your own good what is the average inflation rate for the past 10 years for India? 20. Yeah, but think about it. it. The CPI, the typical CPI is an absolute lie. So it's either half or divide by three, what you think it actually is, 6.04. So for a government to actually ex- admit 6%, you know, um, we're looking at probably 18% or mm. so. Um, whereas in the UK, I think they typically emit about 1% or 2%, whereas in reality, it's more like 5 So this is not down for your own good. It's to protect the currency, which is being run away from you. Yeah, it seems a very bizarre situation. Anyway, should we move over to El Salvador and Miss Universe? Let's do it. <laughs> so I don't know. If, I don't normally know when Miss Universe is going on, but this was like... Clown World posted Miss USA, who came out looking like an absolute monstrosity, like literally carrying the moon, as if, I don't know, apparently America landed there first. Clearly didn't. It's a science project covered in tinfoil. I think gets to the moon. But this little <laughs> tenant, they did. But then Miss El Salvador came out and, yeah, just dressed in orange and gold and um, with a big fuck-off Bitcoin next to her head. <laughs> <laughs> It just looked great, I thought. It's, obviously, it's a complete fucking fiat shit show, but it's nice to see how Salvador represents. Yeah, it's a bit of publicity. Um, whilst I know it's probably not the best place for a little bit of publicity, it's still publicity. It's still getting Bitcoin out to people. Oh, why are, they, why are El Salvador so interested in um, Bitcoin? And it's a bit of research, and hopefully it gets a few people down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And, um, and it's it's also good just to see El Salvador still flying the flag, right? Because sometimes yeah. you think, are they getting bored yet? Is, are they just, and do they really want to be known by Bitcoin? Do they want to be that closely associated and see all the other countries where, you know, it's their greatest achievement that they think they've achieved over the last 100, 200 years. And so for El Salvador, I'm sure they have lots of cultural things that they identify by as and kind of that's what makes El Salvador. So they've just thrown all that in the bin and it's gone, no, it's fucking Bitcoin. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, so that round, apparently, uh, for the 71st Miss Universe was where every country uh, had to come out in their national costume. And so El Salvador now recognise Bitcoin as part of their national costume. <laughs> not a single person came out in the national costume. <laughs> this is not <laughs> the national co- This is the weirdest fucking funky fancy dress I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, What's yeah, I think the whole competition is funky and weird and it's still going on. I mean, I saw some trans transgender uh, man talking about how... How women should be taking control of their sexuality. I'm like, yeah, well, you, well, you I'm never, just confused. You, you know why that you probably heard that quote though, right? Because that man won Miss Universe. Oh dear. <laughs> I, I was trying to Google that, but it doesn't seem to be the case. Like some oh. American win, 
won Miss Universe, whereas the tranny was um, Ty wasn't. Yeah, she was. She was like literally like what we used to take the piss on back in the day, like a lady boy. A lady boy's literally won Miss Universe. Why was she? I speaking? don't. I don't think. I think um, she was just speaking, but I think my comment on Twitter was, um, "Oh, what's I put?" I think it was. Men are so good at everything. They're even winning women's beauty contests. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, I'm gutted that we'll, she didn't win. Yeah, well, we'll put it in the show notes. But uh, yeah, every every Miss Universe contestant for each country is there. There yeah, she is, yeah. Miss, yeah, yeah, Thailand won Miss Universe 2022. Oh, did they? Oh, yeah. brilliant. Like I said, it stands there. Men are so good at everything, but they even win the women's beauty contest. You've heard it here. Controversy at its best. Yeah. <laughs> Write it, could you? But that just shows how woke we've become. Does this mean we've reached the top or the bottom? I don't know. How, how um, you do? Well... <laughs> If you know, if you read things, I think it's a mixture of um, books which I read this in so Why Nations Fail, The Sovereign Individual, and the Bitcoin Standard. It talks about Rome, and I always go back to Rome. It was one of the things which Romans became obsessed about when they were getting fucked over by their government or emperor was around sexuality, about transsexuals or hermaphrodites back then. And they become overly obsessed with that kind of like area and then bang, civilization pretty much collapsed for them. So I don't actually know the reason why it happens, but there's a lot of similarities. It's like me going for university. <laughs> obsessed with my sexuality. <laughs> <laughs> no, anyway, do you want to talk about your next story? Your next one's quite a long, complicated story, actually, about this inflation actually yeah. explained. It's a good thread. So um, this is so much I follow. Um, this, it produces big-ass long threads, which are probably some of my favourite things within Twitter. Um, but I forward it over to the group saying, you know, maybe we'll put this in about inflation. And the problem with the thread is, but it is a very keen gym slanted view. So it tries to say, oh, when money's printed, it, it splits off like this and you're not impacted by what the central bank does. And it's just like, well, how come? Um, what is it? This, when the central bank prints in Zimbabwe, when it happens in um, the US, we always end up with runaway inflation. So a real re exact recent example was the M2 within the US. And this is recent before they actually obscured that view from the public. So public cottoned on to what was happening. Um, was they started seeing mass printing. They said, we're going to have a massive re recession. We're going to lose our purchasing power. And hey, presto, it happens. Whereas um, this guy's explanation is that, oh, it doesn't happen. It actually happens when banks use fractional reserves and they're loaning money. So when they loan money, they pretty much create money out of thin air. So if um, I have seven grand, I loan it out to Mr. All In, Sir Neverlook, Miss No Show, um joe biden whoever else then i end up with multiples of about seven grand and pretty much i've just um made what that be another i lent it to four people i got the seven grand back from the first one 
and then I got 21 grand profit out of thin air. And that's his theory of how it happens. But the fact is that, like I said, when we see the money be produced by the government, the central government who's printing out more bills, we've seen direct correlation between reduction in purchasing power and inflation yeah. figures over time. Yeah, it's. I think it's a very comprehensive thread that, that looks believable when you first read it. But then it just doesn't hold water for me because I just go, I think he's started with his conclusion in mind, which is money printing isn't bad. Fundamentally, it is good. So how can I prove that? And then he just goes through a US example of a load of various charts. And obviously, at the moment, America hasn't hit hyperinflation. And so the charts look okay. Uh, obviously, the last two or three years, things start to go skew if, but fundamentally, they and obviously they're still lying about a lot of the numbers. So a lot of the charts he's using kind of come from government created well, economic kind of, charts that we know are two or three times lower than they should be. Something which I want to go into is CPI and see what actually, what's actually in the basket for CPI because I think some of them are government subsidized um produce so an example would be corn so like a corn costs the farmer a dollar to produce whatever for a kilogram yeah. um literally the government will subsidize them 50 cents and now it costs them 50 cents so when you end up with massive inflation they chuck a bit more money over and the price does not change because yeah, it's yeah, a staple because all that happens is the price of corn goes up a dollar so the the farmer would go i need to charge another dollar the government go no 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 here's another dollar in subsidy so the price never goes up, but it did, but the government hit it. Yeah, exactly. So um, CPI isn't always clear, whereas things like housing, energy are actually the ones which will give you a more accurate figure. So picking out some of his quotes in here, he said, via QE and other uh, monetary operations, central banks print bank reserves. Um, you can think of them as money for banks. But if <laughs> banks have got money, where's that money going? I know. They, they, <laughs> that's what I didn't get with all this thing. Yeah, like, oh, there's there's yeah. government money, there's bank money, and there's our money. And you go, hold on, what are the governments doing with it then? What are the exactly. banks? They, they're well, loaning it go the government, They will pay for weapons. They'll pay for other, for other countries to do aid programs. They could pay for um, the stimmy checks. They could pay for government wages. They could give everyone a 5% increase. They could pay for, I don't know, the clearance of alligators around the whole of the US and therefore employ a lot more people. And therefore, the money goes into different areas and therefore you have more cash flowing around. You have less scarcity. So it's, it is Keynesian nonsense at its height is ultimately what, what it comes out as. Yeah, because even like so some of that money, it, well, a lot of it actually from government and banks end up in private companies or private individuals. And even if it is billionaires and trillionaires that are holding a lot of it, some of it does does get to the average person. So yeah, yeah, it's it has increased the supply of the money they had just just because they printed it and sent it somewhere first. It's like, what do they do with it? Eventually, yeah. it ends up. I like I like Alf and I like his threads, but on this one, I think you need to keep your bromance together in secrecy because he hasn't convinced me on this one. Yeah, it, it's a Keynesian view, you know. We're staunch supporters of the Austrian School of Economics because it is a common sense approach. You know, yeah. it's like if you have less scarcity, 
it's worthless. It's like you have, I don't know, what is it? A unique Babe Ruth card with a unique serial code from, a, what is it, 50s or 60s? Yeah. And there's only one in the world and it's worth a million pounds. If 10 suddenly appear, it's worth 100,000 or even possibly less. And the same applies to money. Um, and I think it's a socialist um, enemy is the word scarcity. But it is ultimately what drives an economy of and an economy of whatever sorts, even if it was back to the Stone Age of doing trade. You know, if you have something which has plenty, plenty of it around, it's worthless. Oh yeah, I'll give you some berries for your cow. Well, there's only two cows in this field, whereas there's a shitload of berries. You know, therefore you don't have the the advantage of scarcity. The um, words, but, the word scarce is so simple, but yet it's so complex within itself, isn't it? Because not a lot of people understand that. When you talk about, you know, the money printing, people don't understand the complexity of, well, that therefore reduces my purchasing power for everything else. And and obviously the the devaluation of money when it's it's continuing to be printed because it's no longer scarce. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we can put so many different kind of like hats on this. So like the money, the baseball cards, you could even say a footballer. Mm. Um, you know, there's probably loads of footballers who can run up and down, loads of energy, run 20 miles a match, but there's only so many footballers who can finish like um, Haaland. Therefore, Haaland has a premium on him and most teams want him because he does things which other players cannot. And that is yeah. scarcity. That is another way of putting it across to people. And we did have a follow-up thread on this, and it was around the Big Mac. So there's a Big Mac index, but the Big Mac index is something which looks at the purchasing power from country to country, is like the sterling undervalued versus the dollar. So it's like, how much of a Big Mac can you get for the dollar versus the pound? And you have it country to country. And the latest one actually shows sterling's undervalued. But this little table, which I saw and then sent to the group without checking it, um, was completely wrong. So burgers, I think it, it said it was 50 cents back in 1980. Yeah. And now it's saying $8. But when you start looking to it, it's actually a burger. A Big Mac is $4 now. And back in 1980, it was $1.50. And then minimum wage, it's actually very hard to read because they do it state by state. So it's one which we scrapped because it just didn't make a lot of sense. It does show inflation. And the one thing which is very hard to work out is shrinkflation, quality of ingredients, origin of ingredients, because if you originally have American beef and then you move to, I don't know, Argentinian, which have better purchasing power against and they're poorer, therefore you can get a lower price and keep your costs low whilst providing the, the consumers with the same good. But anyway, yeah, before, instead... you move on, before you move on from the maps, I just wanted to just quickly cover it off because I think it still kind of works, right? So... The stats that they were saying in the in the in the image that was kind of sent in this tweet is that if the minimum wage is, is three dollars and a Big Mac was fifty cents back in nineteen eighty, it means you can buy six Big Macs an hour. So this, we're basically rating it on that. Like, so if you buy six Big Macs an hour in nineteen eighty, how many Big Macs can you buy in twenty twenty two? Essentially, it's zero point nine. So you can't even buy one now, according to the the image, because the minimum wage is seven dollars twenty five. The Big Mac is eight dollars. But even if you correct it right so i corrected it um for the for the minimum wage being 
3.1 still back in 1980, but then the Big Mac actually costing 1.5, it means it gives you a ratio of two. You can buy two Big Macs per hour yeah. based on that. And then if we go on um, to the updating the minimum wage, I left it at 7.25, but now the Big Mac costs four dollars. It's 181. So yeah, so it, it does break all the models because it's less. You can buy less, but in 50 years there, there's not that much difference. Yeah, well, it's forty years, but it's it. Yeah, you know, but it's yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, like with the Big Mac, I I can't believe that in forty years McDonald's haven't increased how and improved and made more efficient how they make Big Macs. I can guarantee their their costs have gone down. So this yeah, whole exactly. thing, even using it as a product, it's like going a Mars bar, or whatever. It's like, well, yeah, it's, have everything else stayed the same other than the price? No, loads of stuff happened in the back. Well, all, all bets are off then, because it could have gone the other way. It could have been that you can buy more big bats per hour, but that's just because McDonald's changed it and actually started cooking it with beef, not wraps. So now it actually costs more money to buy a Ooh. Big Mac. You've got some of the things which I know of, like things like sauce are made in a central factory, which are then sent out cutting down on costs. Making bread will be a lot cheaper as well because it'd be mass produced. It's also got ingredients to store it for longer. Because I don't know if you've seen some threads on Reddit or various others where a burger looks perfect after like four years of being on a shelf. Yeah, I have it. Um, and then additionally, with meat, because of globalization, you're going to be able to ship it from further afield from a poorer country. And mm. also, it'll be shaped within a factory and sent out frozen. Whereas in the 1980s, it would have been beef mints formed in by an employee taking longer and having higher cost and also being a local product. So, but these are kind of speculation as well. You know, we yeah. haven't got absolute proof, but I'm pretty sure this is probably what's happened. Yeah. Uh, well, one of my uh, maybe second or third favorite websites is uh, statista.com and it also shows us the um the stats as to the price of a big mac as of july 2022 and it has um i don't know if you guys can click on that obviously uh, venezuela at the bottom in terms of uh, the price of a big mac and obviously uh, Switzerland at the top being the most expensive Big Mac in the world um, at $6, uh, just over $6.70. Oh, this is the Big, Big Mac, Mac Index. Yeah, the Big, <laughs> Mac, the Big Mac Index. Yeah, the Economist made this to show you have the differences between countries. So you've got, you got things like minimum wage, cleanliness probably comes into there as well, and then <laughs> importing, exporting of goods are going to be the other factors which come into play. Because I think Switzerland, yeah. I don't know how whether they'd import everything, and also minimum wage will be quite high. Yeah. So if you, so you look at this weirdly, like since we kind of debunked it by verifying the data, instead of going from six Big Macs to one in those 40 years, actually it was pretty much two for two. So... According to actually this index, there's been no inflation. That's not right, though, is it? Because the next link that I've got, I just shoved this in, right? Because the easiest one to use. Number one, minimum wages are fraught with problems because you don't know how many people are on the minimum wage, what country you're in, all that type of stuff. And then you don't really know, as we just discussed, how much did a Big Mac cost to make and produce and sell. Uh, that Those things are going to be too variable. Whereas 
the average salary and the average house price, it's much harder to kind of manipulate those things over the last 40, 50 years. So we've linked a chart in here that goes back to 1970. And it kind of shows you that um, the big, the biggest thing to look at actually is that the average house price and average salary back in probably 1967, 65, they were near, they were on the same point. So you could essentially buy a house for the average person in the UK, they could buy a house of an annual with their yearly salary. Uh, and when you fast forward, so, and then by the way, th this average salary is at around five to 7,000 pounds. This is a tiny amount of money. The, the, the house prices were absolutely minute, probably about 10 mm. grand or something. When you fast forward to 2020, which is as far as this goes, the average house price is now about 250, mm. I think, 230 around there. But the average salary is about 25 to 30K. So it's now you need 10 years worth of salary to buy a house instead of one. And that's the difference yeah. 50 years. Mm. Funny enough, I've looked at this longer term. So I looked at a number of things, um, house prices, wages, oil, stake, gold, to look at how they deviated. And stake's a funny one because I thought stake would have been off the chart, but it's not. Stake down. appears like it's it actually starts to increase in the mid 2000s whereas i thought it would have been quite a lot higher and when we saw a kind of like peak against salary in around about 2013 and then it's kind of like clung about the same level yeah um but that's, I thought that's, state, when, that's when i started buying stake in bulk 2013 I thought, but i thought stake would have been <laughs> a lot steeper and then if we look at gold gold it became completely depegged against salary well forever really when we came off the gold standard it's all over place but you can see through the 80s and 90s it looks like potentially manipulated market until around about 2000 when it literally goes off the clock and just has a steep climb something like bitcoin where people are going fucking hell this isn't right i need to diversify into something else and house prices like you said you kind of do see it decouple within the um 70s and 80s but then in the 90s there's evidently a price I think it's after um, a big recession. I think it's about 92 was a big one. And the house prices kind of like slump, but then they start gathering and gathering and gathering and gathering. And when you actually look at the ratios, so look at it from, I've got data from 77 through to 2015. The salary, the median salary has gone up by 225% in that time. Whereas house prices go up 313%. And I haven't got the outside years of that. So I haven't got the last seven where we've seen, I want to say we had about 30% or so in the last couple of years. And then additionally, we got the earlier 70s, which is when we came off the gold standard, when we had a steeper climb again. But if I was going to pick a time when to buy a house, it would have been the 90s because salaries were climbing against house prices after a big slump. But then it went parabolic pretty much. Yeah, that's yeah, that was a little bit of a stagnant bit, yeah. But yeah, I, I'd buy a house back in nineteen seventy when it was you know, the the best price to buy is nineteen seventy. Is early. Yeah, as I was going to say, yeah, as early as possible, really. If you look back in comparison, it's actually even like three years ago is the best time to buy. Yeah, it depends how far you can go back. Yeah, but I think the the, the key thing is really it's because what's even worse about this chart, right, and what is hidden in it is the interest payments. Because the, the difference by having a year's worth of salary or, or um, having a 10, 10 years worth of salary of house is that the interest on it 
goes from being something that you can pay off in five years to now being a 30-year thing. So what people used yeah. to do is they would they would loan in that, their year's salary and it would take them three to five years to pay it off. Uh, but the, the problem of taking 10 times your salary, and obviously this is usually two people have to join together to both get 5x their salaries to get... So they get divorced. Yeah, then it all goes <laughs> to shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the problem is that they're lending this money and, and anyone that knows about compound interest this is compound interest working against you because the, like, you might think, oh, a mortgage is only one, two, three, maybe it's more like five or 7% now. But if you just take that over five years or take it over 35 years, the interest payments and the total were payable goes from being, I don't know, back then, I think the interest rates were more like 10 or 20%. So if you probably- In the loaned, 70s they were because literally- it was round about the late 70s, early 80s, where the interest rates went through the roof because they printed so much money and were, well, making everyone go into a massive recession. So they had to put the interest rates sky high. Yeah. And, and it's kind of fine. Like, no one minded. If you if you loaned it, loaned 10K, but that was your annual salary, and then someone went, oh, but it's 10, 10% to take a loan out on that, you go, okay, that's fine. But also I'll, I'll people's loan, sentiment. I'll, was different in the fact that they didn't want to loan money whereas now people do yeah. want to uh you know people always were of the sentiment of if i can't save it or if i can't you know if i don't have the cash now i'll wait whereas obviously that has completely changed and it's more of the opposite of future so never look can deal with that problem so yeah. just just to go into some stats of so 76 the average house price was 11999 The median wage was 3744 So like Mr. Allin said, we're looking about three times salary there. So it can be paid within a sh relatively short amount of time. Now, the latest wage data, which I have confirmed, is 2015, £32,415. And the average house price is 195 so, so we're not just looking at what is it three times now? We're looking at average house price is one hundred ninety-five. No, two thousand fifteen. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, I was going to say I thought it was. Um, that, so that, that is o over six times salary from three times within the seventies, and like I said, I only got seventy seventy-six as my starter year, so I'm missing the first six years of the seventies, and then. The average house price in 2022, what is it now? Is about 300,000? Yeah, I'd say roughly about that. And yeah. wages haven't really gone up in the 2010s as well. So we're probably looking at an average salary around about 33, 34. And now you're looking at closer to 10 times. So, you know, that's the absolute evidence and figures because I think the percentages kind of, you know, make everything a bit less and bit less certain. But actually going, here are your figures, which has gone from three times to 10 times within 50 years once the, ex the experiment started. Yeah, uh, average house price, according to Zoopla, uh, based on well December 2022, is uh, 258,000. No, that's not right. What would you go with? I The latest <laughs> figures which I got was but i don't think it's right was 273 because i thought we'd hit the 300,000 mark 273 okay lloyd's says uh 
5,579. So I raise you, but yeah, but and, and yeah, obviously, the worst thing about this obviously is the fact that everyone needs a house, right? So whenever you compare it to McDonald's, I think people become a little bit disassociated anyway because almost who cares? This is obviously this is the home, right? It's the, most people's biggest purchase. And what this really is doing, you know, we always talk about it, this is stealing a huge amount of people's time. And uh, you, you have to work so much harder, yeah. so much longer. And it's this is predominantly the reason why women now go to work, because that cuts this number no, by it, half. It's it's for um equality. <laughs> BLM. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but this is you know when you actually the thing which i hate about bitcoin is it's made me look at everything it's made me look at everything very suspiciously so when you go why was it truly open you know why did they open the workforce and it's like is it for equality it's because women really want to work and it's just like do they does no. the family actually want you know what's better working or raising a child would i for me would i prefer you know if i had everything which i could be able to raise my child or go to work every day. I think I'd raise my child. You know, and that's me. And I'm kind of going, it just doesn't sound like equality. No. Well, if you, if you they would much prefer you to go to work, by the way. The kids don't <laughs> <laughs> if, if you look at the two big net results of what happened with women going to work, all it really meant is that the tax income for countries went up because they now got two households earning and are taxable. And also it enabled the, the kids then um, to be state educated, um, to be drones, to continue the work that their parents are doing. Uh, yeah. So we literally went from being kind of very kind of traditional, um, kind of almost self-sovereign family ha- households where the, 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 the parents would be a huge influence and homeschooling was, was normal. Uh, if anything, sending your kid away was seen as, you're not raising your child if you send your kid away. Like the rich used to do it, who hated their kids and had servants and all that. But everyone else would homeschool their children and and bring them through. It was only when we really pushed women to go to work that that became then impossible because there's no one home. So state-run schools became the norm. And well, we what who who learned like a huge amount from school other than this is how you should wear, this is what you should say, these are the type of memory tests you need to practice. Oh, and by the way, get a pension and the Vanguard. Everything will be fine. <laughs> yeah, the and Vanguard. Trust, and trust the government, you know? Trust, the trust Vanguard the path. Whereas, like, the, these unruly parents would be, you don't have a fucking clue what they're teaching them, do you? They, they, they're going to probably bring them up to be, you're your own master. Don't fucking let anyone tell you what to do. And fuck authority, like, unless they earn it, tell them to go fuck themselves. They don't want a generation well, of people like that. According to the national news, though, there is and there has been a rise in homeschooling post-COVID as anxious pupils fail to return back to school. And uh, there's over 100,000 now uh, registered home-educated children. So yeah. it is on the rise. I like Maybe how they, because... they've even phrased that, though, to like say, are there anxious children? Because I would imagine that isn't the reason. I'd imagine that is parents going... I don't want my kids anywhere near state-funded education. I'm pulling them out to educate them myself. I don't think that's kids too scared to go to go to school. It might be a, a portion of them might be that, and that's really tragic that that's what mm. lockdown did to them. And again, the government did that, and now they're I too think... scared to go outside. 
I'd imagine most kids probably just are fine going back to school, but the parents have gone, no, you're not going because I'm not going to have all that pro-government propaganda pushed on you. I'm teaching you at home. I don't think it's so much that. I think it's probably the fact that when they actually had to educate them at home, they went, what the fuck were they learning in school? What were they doing? Yeah. You know, what on earth were they learning? They're learning about Oxbow Lakes. <laughs> you just think about how useless or outdated the curriculum is in the UK, but they'll never teach them about the things which they actually need. You know, what do you want to teach someone about? What do they need to survive? It would be understanding financial markets because you have to. It'd be understanding how to balance, well, what they call a checkbook, but rather your current account. And then also things just basic electric electrics, basic plumbing things which you can fix your own house with, but they won't. Instead, you get to learn about, I don't know, 1066 or some other useless part of history. Yeah. But they won't, teach you, they won't teach you about ancient Rome. They won't teach you about the monetary collapse there. They won't teach you about the monetary collapse in China. Um, they won't teach you about, um, what is it, when the Fed was created. They won't treat, teach you about the um, moving off the gold standard, all the things which matter. Yeah. They will if you live in this house, though. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting homeschooled in this house. Yeah, yeah, Maybe you're going to learn today. Top it one to ten. History of money. You're going to get that. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the thing, right? You, you do history, right? But you just you just skip the money bit, don't you? Yeah, it's it's weird because it's like I remember I actually remember getting an F actually in history when I wrote a whole massive like story about. I think I can't remember what one it was, like maybe Roman times. But then I, I went, I was trying to bribe some Caesar in my story and I paid him like a pound or something. And he went, a pound? That's more money than the, 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 the whole of Rome. I'm like, well, I don't know. I just thought, I thought I'd adjusted for inflation, <laughs> but I obviously hadn't adjusted enough. And he shouted at me. I'm like, and I, I kind of only just realized, I'm like, yeah, I never got taught about inflation or about how money changes value. And I didn't know at the time how much money would bribe a Caesar. And it's just, <laughs> as a kid, I'm like, I know right now it would be like a million pounds, right? When I was writing this thing, that would be a million. But I'm like, it won't be a million back then. So I bid a pound and he went, that's ridiculous. That's way too much. I'm like... Fucking hell! Like, how, how cheap was it to bribe a Caesar? Like, did, did you say? Did, did you not say I'm I'm seven? <laughs> I know. Yeah. I think it's about eleven, to be fair. But I'm like, yeah. this is pre-internet. Pocket right? money. Yeah. You can't Google this stuff either. This is pre-internet. Pre-chat TPT as well. Oh man, yeah. yeah. That's getting banned. Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely getting banned for sure. Uh, or we Google were talking be... about what is it, people? I can't remember what it led on from, but it was Bitcoin. And I was, we are Googling around, talking about trains, how certain countries didn't build trains or ban That's trains. Right. And nothing was coming up on Google. Nothing. Yeah. It just came up with a list of countries which don't have train lines. That's and definitely that's a, big... a question for the audience, yeah. You try yeah. Googling why certain countries banned trains, uh, even planes and aviation. I tried very different variations and Google came back with nothing. But you know what did? Chat GPT. Yeah. We came up with a whole list of countries, Mexico, USA. So funnily enough, I've forgotten about those two countries, but it's certainly in the um, Why Nations Fail about Mexico was really pushing for... Um, trains to be banned because they didn't want um, the poor people being connected and they want them to stay poor. 
And then there's Cambodia, where the socialist government, who um, obviously wanted to do good, um, and so they killed 1.5 million people and ripped off all the train lines so the poor people would stay poor. <laughs> right. And, and that's it's really worrying, isn't it, that mm. that whole part of history is being scrubbed. And the way to scrub it is not to like burn a load of books, it's just edit the Google search results. Correct. I've just um, done the same on DuckDuckGo, who we know now have been basically Yeah, nothing about that on DuckDuckGo either. Yeah, yeah. All, it's sanitized but, completely. So, like, Cambodia is a really bad one. So, I went to Cambodia and I know the story. So, that's why I was like, why the fuck isn't that coming down? Coming up, they've barely got any train lines now because they destroyed them all in the 70s. So, everyone could stay poor and die. Um, and then USA and Mexico are prime examples, and I think there's um, a couple in Africa as well. But yeah, when you ask ChatGPT, ChatGPT tells you, and if you ask about certain countries which may not mention as examples, it tells you why as well. And pretty much it's elites pushing down the poor. Wow. But, you know, it, it's just a conspiracy theory. It's probably nothing. Probably nothing. Yeah, it's really bad when even DuckDuckGo, who used to be reliable, uh, have the same sanitized search results. It's crazy, isn't it, when you think about it? And I know it's not, it's, it's the way our minds think as a group, but it's not an everyday search that you would do. Uh, but when you do come to make that search, you expect some results. That well, it's, it's history as well. Like you kind yeah, of think, absolutely. oh, USA have got trains now, Mexico have got trains now. And Cambodia, they had a really rotten period, which everyone knows about, the Karma Rouge. Why it's wouldn't they have that on Google? Yeah, It's a bit of a weird one to decide to sanitise, because obviously, like, you know, slavery and stuff, like, that's worse. But obviously, maybe it just maybe it's a part of history that they're ashamed of and not many people know about, and they've gone, let's just keep that the same. Let's just... Well, it's why USA doesn't have many train lines. It's a really weird one, and it's because of all this. <laughs> it destroyed no, I mean, they didn't destroy it, the US. They just didn't... They wanted to disconnect the North and the South. Mm. I think that's a proper reason. I did send it to um, Sir Neverlook. Bear, bear with me, Robin, mm. because I can actually um, quote you for what ChatGPT told me. Oh, yeah. Um, another example is given of 19th century United States where the Southern states opposed the building of a transcontinental railway so it would have empowered the northern states, which would be able to use a railway to gain more economic and political power over the south. So there you go. That's the reason why the US doesn't have as many train lines as it should. There we go. Right. Okay. Right. Let's History. get back to Bitcoin. Third <laughs> of the week. Third of the week. Mining centralization. Or is it? So. Bitcoin BTC network is now 70% controlled, according to uh, Hector Lopez. So when will it decentralize? And uh, and it's interesting because we, we did, on our last story, come on to the hash rate. But is this, is this true? Is it 70% controlled First uh, all, across just, three miners? So the author, he has Bitcoin in his bio. Yeah. Is it Bitcoin or is it what he thinks is Bitcoin? Yeah. It's it seems weird because 
he's quote tweeted hmm. a, a tweet of his own from December 27th last year. And it yeah. says now it's 51% controlled by two miners last 10 year, ten days. Three miners controlled 65%. Mudecentralization, or in different caps. Obviously, like taking the piss out of the Bitcoin network. And I think that one just went under the under the hood, but then this one's... Well, someone's so, commented on a lower down, don't reply, Hector thinks BSV is the real Bitcoin. So it goes uh, back to uh, one of his... Um, chats and says Bitcoin BSV is the only way you can tip sauna on the internet quickly and easily without ridiculous minor fees. Hand clash plus Twitter equals social micropayments. There so BSV go. is that the Craig Wright one? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, bullshit version. So when he says Bitcoin, it's not Bitcoin. It's BSV, which is that's Bitcoin Cash, isn't it? No, it's a fork of Bitcoin it's, Cash. Yeah. I've always got bullshit confused. version. That's why. That's why it's confusing. That's why he goes Bitcoin BTC as well. So yeah, yeah. When he says Bitcoin, he means Craig Wright's Bitcoin. So he's trying to slay ours. But yeah, so let's just debunk it nice and quick because it's nice and easy. So basically, there's FT Pool, Ant Pool, and Founder USA um, that do own seventy percent of this chart. There's a load of other miners um, that are in here, but FT Pool, Ant Pool, and Founder USA are seventy percent of the chart. What he doesn't understand is that, well, I think he does understand, yet again, is, is incompetency and then it's being complicit in a lie. He's been complicit in a lie because he's a bsv -er. But these these are pools, right? The, the two of them literally say the word pool in their name. And what that means is if I could fire up a miner from here and what I would do, I could mine on my own and then I'm just a single miner fighting against millions. And the chances are I would never get um, a block reward in the history of me mining. Yeah, so my my I would I would make zero. I would just lose the cost of my miner and the cost of the energy. So to make it more efficient and to spread my chances, it's like what people do in work actually when they join a syndicate in like the lottery. Yeah, uh, increases your chances of winning. But in Bitcoin, there was a couple of pools that you would want to choose. So amp pool and FT pool are um and slush pool should be in here somewhere. I'm surprised slush pool aren't in here. Um, so what you would do is you get your, your miner and you plug it into a pool. And now when that pool gets a block reward, they share it between everyone. So now suddenly you are now just sharing much more equally and you're not going to get the big peaks and troughs because I think we've had a story on here um, before, probably about six months ago, where one person did plug a miner in and they got a block reward. That's right. And it's like happy fucking days, right? You, you probably made, you had an investment of five or 10K for a miner. Maybe you spent a couple of grand on electricity and then boom, you hit a block reward. And I think that, that was it six Bitcoin you get at the moment plus all, plus all the fees in it. So it's yeah. 100, 200K kind of win. Like it's, you kind of won the lottery there. Chances are that single miner will never win again. You're much more sensible to plug into this, which then your one miner that cost you, say, 10K, you would then earn, say, $500 or $1,000 a month to nail that down. So after 10 months, you're now at break-even. Everything else is kind of in profit, minus your electricity. So these are pools. These are just pools where people join forces. They're not single miners in a huge factory. They are people all around the world. There's tens of thousands of people inside these pools um, all around the world. And... If, if, if Ample, for whatever reason, kind of went corrupt and did, wasn't sharing their block rewards or whatever or got taken over by a government agency, people just switched to a different pool. You know, these miners are just, it's just a configuration in the software. It's very like, relatively simple to do. 
So yeah, he's trying to say mining is centralized. It's not. It's it's highly decentralized. It's that there's a couple of pools that have taken it over. Um, and if and and if you are an independent miner, I would encourage you to use one of these pools because it would make your your profitability much more certain instead of just waiting for that once in a every couple of years lottery win, which may never come before your miner breaks. <laughs> I nicely put. Can't really add anything to that. I can't really add anything to that. But we have got a part two to the foot of a week, haven't we? There is indeed. So, um, so Tiffany Fong, been following her since she broke the story of uh, FTX and her conversations with SBF, and apparently, Three AC, which uh, was Three Arrows, the company that started this whole downturn uh, in the in in the crypto world. That then blew up, then was followed by. What were they shitcoining in? Were they Luna? Uh, yeah, Luna, Terra, and uh, I saw something called BBL as well. Um, so to get so they started the whole downturn in the marketplace. They are now uh, so so some of the key founding members from Three Arrows. Have now got together to launch a new crypto exchange called GTX. And the reason they're calling it GTX with the exact same type of logo as FTX is because G comes after the letter F. Seems really safe. Got my vote. Seems seems super safe. Currently <laughs> raised $25 million. And the so the people that are involved are all ex like founders from companies that have blown up and are no longer in business. So Kyle Davis, Suju, Mark Lam, and Sudhu uh, Aramgum uh, from again Three Arrows Capital. Um, some were uh, well from Coinflex, and it's just fascinating that anybody would one trust a single pound euro or dollar behind this type of company with these type of bad, bad actors well they're offering what is it but if you if you've got a claim um so against 38c ftx or whatever then you can join and get free tokens so i can't remember what they called it but it's some shit coin. It was their own token. So kind of like Correct. the um, FTX token, which was, what is it, FTT? Yeah. So something similar. But it'll be better, of course. Um, so you get this, and then it's kind of like a bit of a fuzzy debt write-off, from my understanding. Yeah. Um, and it's it's ultimately better than nothing. Like, I kind of look at this and think it's quite a good marketing ploy to get a business up and running, but the type of people who are running it, can you really trust them? But then again... If they offer you, I don't know, this shit, this shit token um, for the money which you've lost, which you'll never get back, I'm starting to think you'd be stupid not to take it to then try and get the money out. But I'm guessing it'd be stuck for two years and you probably need to put in an initial money anyway. I mean, would you really want these uh, people that have shown incompetency to then handle your case to get the money back when it was their fault that you'd lost the money well, in the first place? You're not getting the money back. You're getting a shit a shit coin in its place, yeah. and that's why I'm just kind of going. Is it better than nothing? Maybe you can make some money. 
well, you can make a proportion of the money which you've lost. No, hold on. Right, let's just run that through, right? So there's been a load of scammers in FTX and you you put some money with them. Then some people that caught, the scammers that caused that scam to break are now coming up with a new company that says, give me more money and I'll get you money back from this scam. But sounds like a Ponzi scheme to me. That, that sounds well, like instead of losing 100% of your money, you end up losing 110% of your money. Like what well, kind of like... My, more my, for that? My, my understanding is that the claim, so you have a claim against FTX, if you can prove that you lost money or crypto through them, you would get free tokens. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's just if, when, and who knows when, because... This, this the same thing's happening in Mount Gox right now, right? That that collapsed in 2013, mm. now to 2023. And there's a load of companies handling the, the the claims and all the people that lost money in Mount Gox. They still haven't been paid out. And yeah, but this isn't this and really isn't... the money in Mount Gox now is worth more. Actually, it might not be anymore. But the, the claims, um, the Bitcoin um that was worth about five hundred dollars at the time, when it when it when it went up to like 30, 40, 50k. The actual claims were nearly you could nearly pay them out in full even though like most of the money had been stolen the bitcoin it was left had increased in value so much that they could mm. actually pay out pay people out properly this one there's no money to get back so what you're getting back like this is a load of ftt coins out there that's supposedly worth 10 billion it's worth fucking zero and but you're never going to get anything anyway so i'm saying if you can get it through some kind of like claim proof of yeah, money which you're yeah. never going to get should yeah, you not just take the shit coin yeah but i wouldn't trust the, the scammer i just do it myself I'd, I'd hire an independent lawyer and just do it my fucking self like it's just i wouldn't well, surely go the shit coin has to have some value itself within order to then get any money back. but you're even through an independent lawyer and you're never getting any money back we went through this FTX. like the money which is there is now being siphoned off by the administrators so there's no money from FTX. You're not getting money. But this company is saying, if you've been, as a result, lost money in any of these companies, you could have our shitcoin token. Yeah. I think but, you just go, just give it to me, but you'd never put any money into that company, if you get what I mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's this just, is why this story belongs in front of the week. <laughs> it's it's hilarious. It's a scammer's scamming. Like, Jesus Christ. Right. Like, what's going to happen here? Maybe some people make a tiny portion of money but I can guarantee the second someone comes in with a big claim and goes, yeah, yeah, I lost like 100 million on there. They're like, yeah, yeah, we'll give you a million dollars worth our free shitcoin. The <laughs> fucking exchange will collapse and they'll take that as well. Now you didn't lose 100 million, you lost 101 million. Fucking <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those ones, if you are listening and you have been in that situation, one, you're a fucking idiot for having your money on the exchange, but two... Don't put any more money on this thing. If they do offer you free shit coins, maybe try and take them, but don't put any more money on. Otherwise, you will end up on the Four Bs podcast. I, I honestly, I honestly thought this was a troll. Like, just like who would who would start up another exchange made by the scammers, and they're going <laughs> to brand it the same as the main scam? Like, come on, like it's got to be an April Fool's joke, right? It's just, yeah. Is anyone going to go anywhere near this? And then. Yeah, apparently they seem to have got a hook that maybe people will be a bit going, oh, a little bit. I'll put my KYC with these boys. What would they <laughs> do with it? It would be fine. But yeah, it's just, you know, I, I think there's going to be, there are going to be strings on this, such as you've got to put a certain amount of money in in order to make your claim. 
That's what yeah. I reckon will happen. Of course they will. There's no yeah. way they're going to give out. And the thing is, if they do give out a shit ton of the shitcoin, all that's going to happen, right? All, the only people that have the shitcoin they've given out are going to be people that got it for free. Who the yeah. fuck's going to buy it? The, the, the problem with a market, you need to have buyers. So when everyone claims their free shitcoin and then they dump it, who, who the fuck is on the other side of the trade? That's the problem. That's the problem with the FTT coin. No, I, I, I know a few people who might be on the other side of a trade. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, who, who the fuck is on the other, other side of the GF, GFX when everyone's logging in, getting their free coins? Like, yeah, I'll buy it. Yeah, I'll, yeah I'll GTX. Buy it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What, yeah. What, who, who is this person? <laughs> like, like, who no, is this person? We, we all know them, and they talked about how um, they can make money off these various shit coins. Yeah. Um, it's well, all, all the morons are getting it for free, though, aren't they? So you've already you've taken off all the morons because they've already got wrecked in FTX. So they got you're, GFX it, for free. It's so like how many morons are left to buy that off them? It's like you're telling me that um, there's not a different level to stupid. <laughs> there is. There are several levels which you're missing <laughs> out on. And like half of them haven't even come, come into the crypto space yet. There's been a lot yeah. of people getting wrecked but there's going to be more, and I guarantee you that. I can't wait um, until the blue-haired lesbians hit hit this space. <laughs> I, I'm going to make so much money. <laughs> what do we have a BHL, BHL um, coin? That's oh, what's happening for the BHL. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think Tiffany Fong, she... She follows stuff like this quite closely as well because she personally lost money herself in Celsius when that blew up, uh, trying to get some free Bitcoin and free Ethereum off uh, off the interest. So she's um so she's a shit coiner. She doesn't really understand the market. She's just somehow got a couple of hooks, hasn't she? Well, she's actually just a normal person that had a, just a regular job, but was uh in bitcoin and in ethereum and then when she got then obviously when she got uh blown up through everything she was just like going on a rampage and so um yeah she's just kind of become this new age new age journalist in, in reality she's a hot asian that happened to dm sam and sam replied and that made her famous if she hadn't been a hot asian Hadn't she done some fairly big article before around crypto space? Yeah, well, that's what's got Sam's attention. I think Celsius had imploded and she wrote an article yeah. about that. And that got the follow from Sam. And then when FTX imploded, she DM'd him and he replied and gave her a whole interview. And now she's uh, quite famous. But her, her number one lead is now in custody. So good luck, good luck getting new stories out of him. Yeah. Although he's actually out on bail, but... Anyway, let's move on to the new difficulty in hash rate all-time high. It's raised by 10%, right? So uh, from what I read in terms of the hash rate, uh, yeah, I can't read it on this. Let's go on to the phone. Yeah, it's all-time high. Because I think the, la the last time we discussed this actually was back in, I think it was December-ish. Because we'd had one of the biggest drops in hash rate uh, yeah. for a while, so we dropped from about 
was this about 270 i think this is 270 um hertz oh yeah this is when you were trying to explain to us um how hash rates actually worked and i think dr evil 10 percent and i were just looking at you like he's just gone into a whole different language so it dropped in december down to 222 from um around about 270 but now we're seeing above that so we're seeing all-time high which i'm quite amazed at considering the energy prices but it does seem like bitcoin is finding a way you know renewable renewable energy waste energy is this why we're seeing higher hash rates yeah well and, i and think it's it, actually, and the, by the way it's the difficulty adjustment jumping 10 percent. yeah yeah and it is good to see this because i remember watching an interview with max kaiser because he says he never follows price and he looks at this specifically like the the difficulty adjustment and also the hash rate because if the hash rate is high that means naturally everything's going well in the world of bitcoin yeah well i think what it is what my my guess would be why hash rate has gone up is the fact that we've had a few big miners could be on a few big stories about it over the last couple of weeks go bust yeah so, so those miners likely came offline which was one of the result of why the hash rate went down by so much. So what it means is that the the miners that are using free energy or waste energy are it, it was time for them to expand and to mm. to move in and go the the market the hash rate has come down, which is great because that basically means we will get more of our fair share of block rewards. This is the time to double down. Let's switch more miners on. Let's get more. Uh, so they they probably got more, um, still at very low energy rates, if not zero, and now but they've just they're just China went. Yeah, yeah, China, China was a massive dip when China banned mm. mining, but all it meant is that a load of miners popped up somewhere else. Yeah, which is a good point, which is why you know being at all time highs is big, because in the last two years, you know, we've had some of the biggest bans you can get. You know, China banning Bitcoin was massive. They they were at one point. 70 to 80 percent of the hash rate in bitcoin was coming from china now i think they're still responsible for 30 to 40 percent even though they banned it so (laughs) there's there's plenty of people still running a lot of big miners out of china but they they saw about 50 percent of what they were doing went so now not only have we recovered all that we've got we've surpassed it so and energy prices are freaking three times what they used to be looking at the hash rate over time though it is very strange um, to look at because you kind of see the surge as it goes upwards, and obviously we'd have drops within the hash rate, which are barely noticeable on the on the charts over time. So, like there was a drop in 2018 where it kind of slumped back down, which was a number of months after an all time, well after the, after the December 2017 peak, and then yeah. months later we had an absolute slump. Well, actually, it was eight months later we had an absolute slump in the ha- hash rate. And it went down, you're kind of thinking, is that the end of Bitcoin? And then you kind of see it surge up again. And then we see another massive dip in, when is it, about May 2020? And then it starts surging again. And it's just, and then when we had our twin peaks um, during the latest bull market, we then had a massive dip again in the hash rate. And then it starts surging again. 
but it just looks co completely out of place when you look at the chart now of the hash rate versus the price. But if we, you know, we we could literally look at this, compare it to say, I don't know, it'd be 2018-19 is probably what it would look like five years yeah. in the future. Yeah, we're missing the, the next bull run. The yeah. next bull. So what, what hash rate is predicting is what's to come. Hash rate is a preceding indicator of what happens to price. So, yeah, it, what, what hash rate is indicating is that we are now above the, the rate, like all-time high of, of hash rate. So minor confidence in the security network is at all-time highs, yet Bitcoin is currently well below where it should be. And if you look at this chart, that has happened numerous times where the price and hash rate just diverge, but then the price catches up with it. But say, so... The price will catch up. So Bitcoin is kind of like sticking to its um, core competencies, one of them being about the security of the network. So that's ultimately what this is, and it's it's part of the story. It's not yeah a single indicator of a price rise because you've got to have something else. Like on the previous ballroom, we had um, company adoption, and we even got a nation adoption. I know it's like, what else is going to stack there to get the next bull run? But I think we're already starting to see all the kind of like, you know, blocks being built. So um, we've had Bitcoin tips across Twitter being one. We've had Central African Republic, which has got really no attention. We've also got South Africa, who seems to be using it, which I think we covered a story last week. Yeah. There was also one of the guys on that who was looking at how you could transfer money using like a you know like a Nokia what is it like eighty two ten, so these are all kind of like what I'm seeing as the building blocks as well as the security of network where it will pretty much point towards the next bull run. Yeah, I think also why hash rate is so good is not only is it security, it's also these are the companies with serious skin in the game. They they have millions and millions of, of pounds worth of miners. They're paying hundreds of thousands, if not millions a pound a month on energy. <clears throat> and the, those people are running businesses, right? So if they don't run them profitably, they have to shut them down. And what this is indicating at the moment, currently on the Bitcoin network, the people that have spent millions on miners and energy, there's more of them than there have ever been running Bitcoin miners. And energy's only got... Very energy's going to only gone up about what is it two or threefold for domestic use and around about eightfold for um company use hasn't it in the uk i'm yeah. guessing it's probably similar around the world so the fact that it's so high is pretty amazing yeah because one of those things right so if, if say like uh, an elon musk or something came out and went oh i've just bought another billion of bitcoin da, 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 you go well how much skin in the game does he really have right because he has hundreds of billions you know he and so Bitcoin is two or three percent of his net worth or something. His skin in the game is still relatively low, even though he maybe has a couple of billion in Bitcoin. So that is not as strong an indicator as hash rate, because what this hash rate really represents, it represents probably tens of billions of pounds worth of miners and energy that are being plowed in. To, and these people are all betting on Bitcoin being worth more tomorrow than it is today. That is a huge thing. And, and these people are not betting 1% or 2% of their net worth. These guys are all fucking in. They are really all in. And, I was going to um, say, do, do, you think, do you think any of 10%? <laughs> I 
<laughs> Isn't it interesting uh, that these people that are all in, and I think it was about two weeks ago that I sent you, and he seems to be a, a staple in our in our weekly podcast, uh, but Pedro interviewed Doomberg. And you can't forget who Doomberg was, with regards to looking at some chicken for an hour. But that guy was an energy specialist. And as an energy specialist, they know, obviously, energy. And they have calculated that they will use their time, and energy pun intended, on mining Bitcoin. Like, because they know ultimately that it's going to be profitable. And there is the case in the argument that there will be oil companies and and maybe, you know, well, the likes of Shell that will also start to mine Bitcoin in the future. Yeah, it's very, it's a very, it's, 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 it's the indicator to look for bullish. Yeah. If, if I was looking at the next next 12 months i'd be surprised if um number don't go up so far so good and we never like to really talk about price on the podcast it's it's kind of like our unwritten rule even though you know we, we naturally have to cover it here and there but we'll, we'll cover know, it all time high once we get over yeah. that it's 69 then we'll cover it again when we hit 70000 then we can talk about it, but until then, it's just <clears throat> we're just in the choppy season, aren't we? It's not. It's not much. There, fun, but it's just. It's. It's what we have to do. There's a rumor on Twitter talking about uh, Doctor Evil Ten Percent will be doing the show from Turkey as he uh, plans on getting a hair transplant when Bitcoin hits <laughs> an all time high. I'm just saying that that it's been retweeted a couple of times. I'm just. <laughs> I may have started it, but <laughs> <laughs> I think even if I was a billionaire, trillionaire, I'd just be like, nah, I'm far too tight for that shit. Just be Jeff Bezos, he didn't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah exactly. I just well, that's exactly my point. I don't really give a fuck. So it'd be like, even a trillionaire, I'd be like, I don't really care. I can just get a wig. What a nice watch kind of flaps up with the wind. Yeah, I get a big like Beyonce wig. <laughs> I just if you have a massive like afro, yeah, massive yeah. afro. <laughs> when, and when you're a billionaire, you wake up and put back place on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when, you're, when you're a billionaire, you can get away with these. Things. Yeah. <laughs> I'll probably be wearing a Batman suit anyway when I'm a billionaire. Yeah, go to when you're Batman. Yeah, going to work, handing my resignation, dressed as Batman, getting my helicopter, go home. <laughs> <laughs> Take a shit on the desk. Don't forget that bit. I don't know if they let Batman into the building. Batman does what the fuck he wants. <laughs> Scale down from the roof, wouldn't you, surely? Scale down. Here. Here's my check. Uh, I'll send me your lightning wallet and I'll send you the sats for the bill. Pick up a homeless person outside the street and launch him through a window and just walk in. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should have a show where um yeah we just talk about all of the outrageous things that we'll do when hyper bitcoinization happens but until think, then 
this has been podcast number 82 brought to you by me. you wanted to say something go on go on oh, i want to hear no, you fucking ruined it now do it if anyone cares to listen to all the way to the end let, let them hear your thoughts i think i think it'll come out in future weeks anyway just random okay. shit okay well i'll restart my ending once again Thanks, Dr. Evil 10%, a.k.a. the People's Champ, Mr. All-In, a.k.a. the Trillion Dollar Man, myself, Sir Neverlook, a.k.a. the Excellence of Execution, and she wasn't here, but she's never here because she's Mrs. No-Show, still No-Show. What are you two? Peace. <laughs>